You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome, 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 friend. I'm TK, your tour guide to the past, and you are listening to For the Love of History, the podcast where we talk about world history, women's history, and weird history. Welcome to November, dear one. Well, welcome to November if you're listening to this episode when it comes out. Uh, If you're not, then welcome. Just welcome to the episode in general. Spooky season is over, and I have mixed feelings about it. Because I love spooky season, but I also do enjoy talking about other topics. But today's topic was a doozy. We will not be talking about vampires or witches or zombie or yokai. Nay, nay, dear one. Our topic, just super light, really, really fluffy topic to get us started. Religion and rituals. Huh. You know, not deep at all. Sometimes I want to kiss past TK for the choices that she makes for episode topics. And also, sometimes I want to kill her. Because researching for this topic was interesting to say the least. But we'll get into that during the episode. So without further ado, grab a warm beverage, your fluffiest socks, maybe a blankie, and let's get to it. Why do we have religions, and when did rituals turn into religions? Also, why do we do rituals, and how did they become a thing, and why, 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 why I sound like a toddler? (laughs) Because I opened Pandora's box, little baby TK, in August. So sweet, so naive. She thought, hey, this would be a fun topic. I could probably cover this in 20 to 30 minutes. How wrong you were. Dear one, I'm not going to lie to you. There were times when I was just going to give up on this episode entirely. But after over 15 hours of research, a collective four hours of staring off into the void, wondering why I picked this topic, and enough coffee to sustain a small army, I am very excited to bring you today's topic. But I do have to admit that we've scaled back a bit and focused our chat today on the history of rituals and why people do them. So, let's get into it. When I say ritual, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? Maybe an Aztec sacrifice, Cleopatra's milk and honey baths, girls presented to the monarch for their coming of age society, maybe witches dancing naked in a circle in the woods, meditation sports fans wearing their lucky undies and chanting in unison so their favorite people will get the ball into the place that it needs to be. And you would be right. The answer is C, all of the above. A ritual is simply a ceremony consisting of a series of actions performed according to a prescribed order that is often spiritual in nature. And humans have been doing rituals since always. People have always performed rituals. According to Carl Van Schaik of the University of Zurich, Zurich? 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 Zurich, Switzerland. (laughs) Researchers have found no evidence that non-human primates engage in true rituals. 
Carl says that these only emerged from our cultural minds, which evolved in the unusual environment we created for ourselves. Unusual environment? TK, what is Carl talking about? Oh, friend. I was also wondering the same thing. What could Carl possibly mean by unusual environments? Well, he means big old civilizations. But Carl, aren't people like communal animals? This is the conversation that I imagined I was having with him while I was reading his article. <laughs> so, so silly. <laughs> okay, here it goes. <laughs> this is the conversation I had with Carl in my brain while I was reading the article. <laughs> Carl, aren't people like communal animals? Yes, TK, but not like that big. After agriculture was popping and it took less people to make food for everyone, the population was able to get real big and folks were able to like do other things and then humans were exposed to all kinds of violence disaster and disease from conflicts within groups to wars between groups to infectious diseases that could now spread swiftly across an entire village because people were like living real close to each other oh okay carl uh that took a turn but thank you for your expertise but he's not wrong <laughs> He's not wrong. The first civilizations in the world were the Mesopotamians, Egyptians, the people of the Indus Valley, and the Chinese. And from these four places arose humanity's first rituals. Living in a civilization can be great. Community, innovation, indoor toilets, stability, all that jazz. I am personally a big fan of inside toilets but it can also super suck real hard when there's, you know, a global pandemic or war or other disasters. Kind of like just another day in the year 2022, but I digress. Most rituals surround transition, risk, and uncertainty in human life. Before the science people were out here sciencing and making cool stuff and explaining natural phenomenon, humans were just out here scared out of their mind, not knowing why people got sick or why the earth shook sometimes. And if you have never experienced an earthquake, let me tell you, friend, I've only been through earthquakes as big as fives, and I cannot describe to you how utterly helpless you feel when the world is shaking, when your whole world is shaking back and forth. And I know it's an earthquake. Imagine not knowing about tectonic plates and thinking some unseen being is just pissed as shit, shaking the world. That would be terrifying. So the going theory is that one of the reasons rituals developed was to create a feeling of control in the prevention of disasters. According to Michelle Gelfland, a psychologist at the University of Maryland, in regions where natural disasters and diseases are common, and the threat of violence and disease is high, societies tend to be tighter, meaning they have stronger social norms and a lower tolerance for deviant behavior. They also tend to be more religious, placing a high priority on ritualized behaviors. Okay, quiz time. Guess where the Mesopotamian civilization was located? Yes, in modern day Iraq. Guess what natural disasters that area had and still has. Correct. Like all of them. Floods, droughts, earthquakes. Okay, that's only three, but those those are like the major ones. 
and these totally affected Mesopotamian life and rituals. The Mesopotamians believed that gods, ghosts, demons, and monsters all existed, and humans were only here to serve the ruling gods. And if they didn't, that's when bad stuff would happen. If the gods were happy, then humankind would prosper and flourish. If they were not, earthquakes, droughts, floods, pestilence, all of that fun stuff. So how did the people keep these toddler, temper, tantrum-like gods happy? Rituals, of course. Some were performed on a super regular basis, daily or yearly, while others were done when they needed to be. Like, oh snap, a god is like pissed, uh, so we gotta do this ritual kind of thing and like make him or her happy. And this type of activity was and still is comforting for people. Even if the world seems like it's falling down around you, no worries. We're going to do this ritual for the god whatever, and he's going to be like, oh my god, thank you so much. Here's some prosperity. And while I was researching, I was trying to find the answer of which came first, religion or ritual. And it's like the same kind of question as which came first, the chicken or the egg. It really just depends on who you ask. Some anthropologists will say ritual, others disagree vehemently, while some psychologists insist it was religion. This, dear one, is where I unleashed Pandora's box and I fell down into the most existential and philosophical, philosophical, <laughs> philosophical rabbit hole I have ever fallen in my life. But if you're into that kind of thing or you want to chase the rabbit down into that internet hyperlink hole, I have given you some sources in the show notes. But, you know, be warned, it's a lot. <laughs> and we will not be dipping our toes into that question today. But I digress. All cultures in the whole wide world have rituals surrounding war, birth, natural disasters, sickness. If you're a rugby fan, then you can see one of the oldest war and peace rituals that's still going on, the haka, which is my husband's favorite thing about rugby. Sometimes he just watches the haka and, and not the game. <laughs> However, war, natural disasters, and pandemics aren't the only kinds of rituals. Nay, nay, dear one. There are also safety rituals. safety. Humans started communities for safety. And many rituals developed to create and keep behaviors that foster safety. How many times am I going to say safety? I think that's it. <laughs> there are a ton of rituals around food, childbirth, and preparation of the dead because those are three areas in human life that need to go right and be safe. Oops, said it one more time. Because if they don't, Things get real bad real fast. The leading hypothesis of these kinds of rituals is that they began as safety precautions. Now I cannot say the word safety anymore. <laughs> oh my god. They may or may not have had a spiritual connection, but they were happening to serve some sort of safety purpose. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Birth rituals in China keep mothers safe. I hate that word now. <laughs> what other word is there for safe? 
Oh my gosh. Okay, get it together, TK. Okay, jeez. All right. Anyways, birth rituals in China happened to keep mothers safe after giving birth, which I have not done personally, but I hear it is hella traumatic. Burial rituals in Egypt were meant to preserve bodies and keep disease from spreading. There are so many rituals that we do, for better or for worse, that we may not know the reason for. According to Mark Nielsen of the University of Queensland in Australia, things really become solidified as rituals when the social significance of the behavior takes precedence over its practical use in avoiding disease or disaster. This is what sets rituals apart from other cultural practices, such as cooking. He goes on to say that when you first learn to cook a certain dish, you probably copy a recipe. But once you've made it several times, you might do it your own way. That kind of personalization doesn't usually happen with ritualized practices, which are very carefully repeated until eventually they lose their functional value and they are exercised for their social value instead. Recently, because of the freaking global panini that we've been dealing with for the last almost three years, new practical rituals have been developing around the world, such as checking temperatures before entering into a restaurant or a store, wearing or not wearing masks and having very strong opinions about that, elbow bumps instead of high fives, Zoom meetings, and more online events. It's too early to tell now what new rituals we'll have after this, But it's kind of exciting to hypothesize about. And before we end this episode, I do want to add this little little tiddly bit. Rituals aren't always super great for the people in society because rituals inherently don't vibe with diversions from the established norm. Remember our friend Michelle, the psychologist from earlier? In her quote, she said, societies that have stronger social norms have a lower tolerance for quote-unquote deviant behavior. Rituals require synchrony or performing the same actions in a predictable way, which is lovely for creating a sense of togetherness and community. And when you're facing some dangerous stuff like war, disease, or an earthquake, group cooperation may be a matter of life and death. So any deviation could be perceived as a threat, which it isn't always. Some deviations are beautiful and necessary and innovative or just they don't vibe with society anymore. And that's okay. Because at least for me, we should not feel peer pressure from dead people to do things that don't make us feel our best or live our best lives. Well, dear one, we have come to our final thought, and I don't know if I have loved a final thought more than this one. So let's get to it. Let's see if you love it as much as I do. So in Papua New Guinea, there is a tribe called the Baining, and they have a grieving ritual that I am going to start a petition for to make it mandatory worldwide, and I think you will too after hearing about it. The Baining have a word for the feeling you get when a loved one leaves or when you leave them. That clawing sadness that I hate so much and I feel every time my family leaves after Christmas break or I leave them after Christmas break, and it's called Awombok, A-W-U-M-B-O-K. The symptoms of Awombok are sleeping a lot, losing your sense of purpose, and randomly bursting into tears. Sounds a lot like the depressions. 
but the baning developed a ritual to support the person who has been left. They're not expected to do anything for three days, and the people that come in contact with them must be extra gentle. You can sleep and cry and eat as much as you want, and then after three days, the person fills up a half coconut shell bowl with water, leaves it out to soak up the sadness and negative emotions, and then the next day, they toss the water out, which symbolizes the end of their mourning period and a return to active life. And I just love that. And I think that we could use some gentleness and a good cry for a few days to make everything better. Thank you so much for joining me today. My perfect little slice of pumpernickel toast. I hope you enjoyed this episode that almost drove me into a research black hole from which I was not sure I would be able to return. I'm sure this is not the last research Pandora's box I will open, nor would I want it to be. Apologies if this wasn't exactly the topic you were expecting, but I hope you liked it anyways. I hope it made sense, and I would love to know what you think about this episode. In other news, For the Love of History has reached 50,000 downloads, which is absolutely freaking crazy. So in celebration of that, all For the Love of History merch will be 50% off for this week only from November 4th to the 11th. I literally, literally, literally could not have done any of this without your incredible support and encouragement. And I am, I'm just so happy that you're here. And if you'd like to continue supporting For the Love of History, please consider leaving a rating and review, sharing this or any episode with your other history bestie, or sending me a message letting me know what you thought of this episode. And before we go, please do something that makes you happy, like buying yourself an adult coloring book and a new set of markers, or literally anything that makes you happy. Drink your water. It's getting cold, and that's when people forget to get hydrated. Don't be one of those people. I am people. <laughs> and I will see you next week when we have a special mid-season guest. Okay, bye! Why is there a metronome right now? Okay. <laughs>